Hello and welcome to Talk About Teddy, weekly conversations exploring the world of Theodore Roosevelt. Hosted by Kurt Skinner, military officer, educator, and historian. And co-hosted by Larry Marple, an educator and historian who for the past 16 years has brought Theodore Roosevelt to life through historical portrayals. Together each week, we'll be taking an in-depth look at the life of Theodore Roosevelt, the lifelong learner, voracious reader, author, adventurer, conservationist, public servant, soldier, statesman, and so much more. T.R. was arguably our most intellectually curious president, a man of unbridled enthusiasm and unapologetic patriotism, whose strenuous life of public service in the arena continues to inspire us to high ideals. Join us each week at the Talk About Teddy podcast as we chat with authors and historians, Roosevelt scholars, and an array of wonderful individuals and organizations committed to carrying forward the legacy and the vision of Theodore Roosevelt. Welcome to our first episode of Talk About Teddy. Congratulations, we've made it. <laughs> our premiere episode. Well, we both come at this Talk About Teddy podcast with you know personal and academic interests, with teacher hearts that want to share interesting and relevant and meaningful content with our listeners. We both admire T.R. for his character and his accomplishments and find that study of his life and his time's Endlessly fascinating to be able to research. And I know we're both inspired by his life's example. And in that way, I believe that he still has a particular relevance to America in the 21st century. You know, as, as teachers, that's the, that's the key, is making sure that your content is relevant. And, you know, T.R. being a, a man of the late... 19th and early 20th century, people wonder what does his life have to to tell us and teach us here in the early 21st century. The lessons of intellectual and physical courage and his character are something that we both want to share with our listeners. Yeah. I think it's important in our first episode, Larry, to explain to our, our listeners maybe how we each came to Theodore Roosevelt. So what what's your story, Larry? Well, in 2008, I was teaching third grade at the time, and a student told me that I looked like Theodore Roosevelt. Well, I've always loved history ever since I was five years of age and went to Gettysburg. So I've studied the presidents, I've read about them, and I've always admired Theodore Roosevelt. So mm -hmm. we, my wife and I, Julia, she took on the character of Edith, and we researched and read, and did our first performance as the Roosevelts at the school where I teach. And that's 16 years now, and thoroughly enjoy every moment of it. Yeah. I was actually in North Dakota in the Air Force as a missile at Minot Air Force Base. And this is the late 1990s, and we were coming up on the 100th anniversary of the Spanish-American War and the Rough Riders charge up Kettle Hill and San Juan Hill. And I think due to the proximity of the Badlands and Theodore Roosevelt National Park, our missile unit was nicknamed the Rough Riders. And so to, to celebrate that, we had a, a special dinner and awards ceremony where I think, you know, the company grade officer of the, the year was 
was given the Bucky O'Neill Trophy, and so we had a lot of really neat awards. But but what really piqued my interest was that I was told that the great-grandson of Theodore Roosevelt, Tweed Roosevelt, was going to be present. It made a big impression on me, and I was an American history major at Kansas University. I had a graduate degree in American history, but the progressive era was kind of a weakness for me, and I realized the only TR book I had on the shelf was David McCullough's Morning on Horseback, and so I, I got busy reading about TR and just kind of fell in love with him at That's that point. That's a good point. book to have on the shelf. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we mentioned in the opening, this podcast is going to be about all things Theodore Roosevelt, and it's enough material to fill a lot of episodes. And so in the coming episodes, we're going to be taking a deep dive into a lot of various topics. So what do we got coming up? Early on, Larry. Well, early on we'll be talking with Rolf Sletton about Roosevelt's ranches, the two cattle ranches that Theodore Roosevelt had in the Dakota Badlands, what would later become North Dakota. Yeah, really looking forward to talking with Rolf, native of the area, put that guy's knowledge of, of Roosevelt's cabins and time in the Badlands against anyone on earth, I think. Oh, yeah. And you spend time... In yeah. the Badlands every summer, correct? <laughs> yes. My wife and I portrayed T.R. Anita at Medora, North Dakota, which was the town where T.R. was based out of. His first cattle ranch was about six miles south. But, yeah, we performed six days a week as the Roosevelts, and we've done that now 10 years, and this will be our 11th season out there. So, Wow. We'll spend a goodly amount of time, I suspect, in this podcast as it goes on, speaking with the good folks at Medora with the T.R. Medora Foundation. Yeah. We've got the, the Theodore Roosevelt Presidential Museum that's going in out there. Medora is the gateway town to Theodore Roosevelt National Park. <laughs> it's <laughs> ground zero for Theodore <laughs> Roosevelt. So we hope to speak with all those folks in time. And there's much excitement about the Theodore Roosevelt Presidential Library going into Medora. Yeah. And we hope to be able to, to speak with various folks associated with, with that museum and library that's going in and, and let them explain why in the world North Dakota <laughs> is going to be hosting and the site of, of the presidential library and museum for Theodore Roosevelt. And I was going to say, we have a couple other authors coming. Oh, yes. Uh, Mark Lee Gardner, who just lives down the road from me here in Colorado Springs, who wrote the finest modern work on the Rough Riders. Theodore Roosevelt is Cowboy Regiment and the Immortal Charge Up San Juan Hill. Mark is actually going to be our premier author interview this coming week and hope to have that podcast up soon for listeners to be able to enjoy his knowledge and stories that he had in, in researching that book. Prolific Western author. I think you're really going to like talking with Mark. Yes. Doug Ellison, the... One of the historians in Medora, who's been on the History Channel, has published books, including one that we'll discuss with him about tales told as truth, stories that Theodore Roosevelt shared. And Doug has refuted some of the timing and location that T.R. may have been in New York when certain events in his Badlands memories yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Doug, he's kind of a renaissance man. Yeah. He's owns and operates a, a bookshop in, in Medora. Hasn't he been bookstore. the mayor? He's been the mayor, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Of a town yeah, of so about that's... 130 people. <laughs> 
Well, while we're still in North Dakota, we'll be talking with the the director of the Theodore Roosevelt Center, Dr. Chris O'Brien, in a couple of weeks as well. That's a wonderful resource. Um, isn't it? Yeah. So we've got the Theodore Roosevelt Center. We'll talk with Dr. O'Brien and have him explain what the ongoing mission of the center is, but they are in the midst of one document at a time, digitizing and making each one of these documents in the Roosevelt Research Universe accessible to researchers, whether they're a, a kindergartner out there on the World Wide Web or, or postdoctoral students and folks researching books, then that TR Center is a tremendous source. Speaking of Roosevelt's literary career, how many pieces of correspondence was he supposed to have produced in his life? Somewhere around 150,000 letters. That's, I would say, a conservative estimate. <laughs> He did have personal secretaries pretty much as soon as in the late 1890s when he's governor. Pretty much from that point on for the rest of his life, he has personal secretaries, stenographers who are helping to take his stuff down. But 150 plus thousand pieces (laughs) of correspondence that he's signing his name to. So that's part of what the, the TR Center is doing is digitizing that, you know, Tell us a little bit about his literary output, Larry. (laughs) Well, everything from his first pamphlet book with Henry Minot, that Minot, North Dakota, is named for, a classmate at Harvard, and it was the Summer Birds of the Western Adirondacks. I believe it was Western Franklin County. So that was published in 1877. So from that first print... When he's at Harvard, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To his last books written oh just a year or so before he passed between the the two of us probably have all <laughs> 40 plus books that he wrote or contributed to i suppose and uh, in some I cases don't think... multiple copies <laughs> right right so yeah we're bibliophiles i, I would oh, say yeah. and we hope to get around to a goodly number of the author interviews of all the the books we've got on our shelves. So that literary output of Roosevelt was documented and written about. Thomas Bailey and Catherine Jocelyn used that as the thread that ties their biography of Roosevelt together, TR, A Literary Life. That's going to be a fun conversation with Tom and Catherine as well. And what I like with a lot of the historians being able to use the primary sources so the Theodore Roosevelt Center digitizing these so we can actually look at them and see the things and not just read about it somewhere, but to be able to look at them. And I know many of the authors we'll speak with had to travel to Harvard and other spots to look at them. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll be delving into all the various aspects of Roosevelt's life thematically as we as we yeah. go through the the podcast not not in a chronological order of his life but certainly we'll be looking at Roosevelt the family man yeah. uh, in time a father Married, of six uh, children <laughs> father of six children right Although he uh, said she raised seven so <laughs> i love that quote yeah <laughs> so he never really acted his age, which well, that's that's not a bad thing. No. So we well, obviously we'll be looking at at his political life, which starts there in New York at yes. Albany, eighteen eighty one, elected to the New York State Assembly, the youngest, yeah, the youngest youngest yeah. in the in the history to that point. I'm not sure if there's been a younger assemblyman yeah. since then, but you know we're gonna. 
certainly be talking about his ranching life in the Dakotas and how in the world he found his way out there. And so hunting, you can't talk about Theodore Roosevelt without his life as a hunter, naturalist, but also conservationist, right? That was one of the biggest issues that he espoused and used from the bully pulpit of the presidency was the need for conservation of our natural resources. If we, if we delve into the conservation record of Theodore Roosevelt beginning <laughs> as a, a young reformer clear through the rest of his life, this is something we find that Roosevelt cared deeply about. I think oh. from our perspective, we see that probably as one of his greatest accomplishments in his life. From the first, before he could even read, that Livingstone's Travels in Africa, that book was a spark to get him in love with nature. So books yeah. have been a part of his life from birth to the end. So yeah. and conservation was the focus of many of those. So what do you suppose he would have looked to as one of his greatest accomplishments of his presidency? I know he was pleased with the Panama Canal and okay. the trust busting and conservation. There's so many things that he did that could be by themselves, major accomplishments for any one person. I mean, there's so many things that he did with the U.S. Navy. There's Right, military preparedness was huge, both during his presidency and then also as we found ourselves moving towards the involvement in the First World War and displeasure yeah. with how Wilson was uh, responding to... Germany. So, yeah, we have we've got a lot of material to be able to to look at there. As far as conservation goes, though, we have Roosevelt establishing the the first federal bird refuges, beginning with Pelican Island. Um, what else do we have there? Oh, there's the Wichita Mountains Game Preserve, Montana National Bison Range. I mean, 150 new new national forests under yeah. his watch. A goodly amount in my state here of Colorado. Yeah. Dozens of national forests established. One that's even named for him now in Roosevelt National Forest. We can't talk about Roosevelt without without the Antiquities Act and the national monuments that he established. Eighteen of those, yes. I so declare it, <laughs> and and thus it becomes becomes part of the federal management of our natural resources. And doubling the number of the national parks from five to ten. So Yeah, we can talk about Theodore Roosevelt National Park, named yeah. in his honor, the only park named for a president. Yeah. I think Roosevelt would be thrilled to know that he had a <laughs> national park. More thrilled to know that than that his face is on Mount Rushmore, yeah. that he's on equestrian statues around the nation, you know. Yeah. Having a national park would have been a pretty big deal for him, I think. And I think the preserve in Oyster Bay that Ethel Roosevelt helped push, the Theodore Roosevelt Bird Sanctuary there. Definitely. Yeah. So we hope in time to be able to speak with folks who work in various national parks, national monuments, historic sites associated with Roosevelt's life in time. That would be wonderful to be able to get the perspective of, of working within those sites. Yeah, and there's, we'll be able to talk about the first that Theodore Roosevelt was part of, from being the first president to submerge in a submarine, the USS, oh, yeah. USS Plunger, not the best name. <laughs> it's an appropriate name. It is. <laughs> that was 1905, so... Yeah, during his presidency, I think he 
he caught a bit of criticism over that for endangering his life as president going down in a submarine. So Yeah. But it's very well, they, Roosevelt. It is. They wouldn't let him turn all the dials or knobs, but as he wanted to, thankfully. Or it may have been yeah. a disaster. So. <laughs> and I and leaving the country to go and inspect <laughs> the ongoing construction down in Panama in the canal, that was that too was a, a first, right? For the yeah. first president to leave the country as a sitting president. We take that for granted now, but there, there had to have been a first, and of course it was Roosevelt. Caused Congress a bit of consternation and fear of a constitutional crisis, which did not happen. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, let me see another first. A lot of presidents participate in negotiating with foreign powers, but Roosevelt's involvement in the Russo-Japanese War earned him Nobel Peace Prize, right? Yes. Yep. The Treaty of Portsmouth, 1905. Yes. And although not received in his lifetime, it only took a century plus, but eventually something else that I think he would have been even more thrilled with than a national park named for him would be the Medal of Honor received by Tweed Roosevelt, his great-grandson, in the White House in the last week of the Clinton presidency, right? Yes. And then you have the 1912 Progressive Bull Moose Party campaign. Yeah, how how big of a deal is that to to be (laughs) the only third party candidate to not come in third? (laughs) Yeah, so that was uh, that turned out to be that that uh, Progressive Party campaign in 1912. Uh, Mm -hmm. We definitely want to be looking at that in future episodes. He's the larger-than-life character, not just a not just a statesman, a politician, but or an author, but also an explorer, right? So we have his trip to Africa in 1909 when he leaves the presidency, mm-hmm. and, and the Smithsonian helped, expedition. For, yep, mm-hmm. with the, that and the American Museum of Natural History in New York, and then you've got the 1913-1914 River of Doubt expedition in Brazil with Colonel Candido Rondon of the Brazilian Army. So, yeah. Not, yeah. not the best planned expedition. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be taking a peek at the, the River of Doubt as well. So we talked about Roosevelt's role in the First World War. Again, desperately desiring to lead military forces in the First World War once we were committed as a nation to involvement, but being denied by Woodrow Wilson. Mm -hmm. So all his sons going to war in his stead. And even his daughter Ethel being the first of the children to go over with her husband, Dr. Richard Derby, to help at the American Hospital in France, in Paris. Yeah. I love the fact that it's his daughter Ethel, of all people, who is the first one to experience this new industrialized warfare and the first one oh. to explain to Theodore Roosevelt the, the extent of modern warfare. You know, It's not his sons reporting back, it's his daughter mm-hmm. reporting back to him about the modern battlefield. That's fascinating. And it affects her life so much that she becomes a lifelong member of the volunteer with the American Red Cross. So, yeah, really honorable life of life. service. Yeah, she the led. Queen of Oyster Bay. Yeah, love that. <laughs> and we'll also talk about some of his other jobs that he held. Civil Service Commissioner, New York Police Commissioner, you know, Assistant Secretary of the Navy. I mean, there's 
<laughs> right. Each one right. would be it's, a career in itself for someone. I mean, the year 1898 alone, right? Yeah. He's the assistant secretary of the Navy, and, yeah. and then he is lieutenant colonel and then colonel of a volunteer <laughs> cavalry regiment in the Spanish American War, war hero, and mm-hmm. comes back just in time <laughs> to run as the Republican nominee for the governorship of New York and wins. Yeah. So that was, a, that was a busy year. And still, by... <laughs> and still he had time to write and read. So I mean... Right. I think, I think he, re- he wrote three books during the two years that he's governor of the state of New York. Yeah. It's a, so it's a pace of life, that strenuous life, a strenuous physical life, a strenuous moral life, a strenuous yeah. intellectual life. So a lot, a lot to, to delve into there in future episodes. Yeah, I think there's enough for a few hundred episodes. (laughs) (laughs) So this is called Talk About Teddy. I suppose we should talk to our listeners here about uh, the use of the the word Teddy when we're referring to Theodore Roosevelt. How do we explain that to folks? He didn't particularly care for it. There was a letter on July 1st, 1883, that he signed as Teddy to his sister Corinne. But that's about the last time you see him use that. But he knew people used it out of love, reverence for him. When they would yell for Teddy, you know, or they would put out campaign buttons with Teddy. Yeah. It was out of love. I mean, so. Which is our heart here as well. When we refer to Theodore Roosevelt as Teddy, it's in the same spirit that those adoring crowds at every political stop during most of his oh. political life. We love Teddy. We want Teddy. Um, so it's it's everywhere. Read contemporary newspaper accounts, and they're referring to him, whether he's a political candidate, the governor of New yeah. York, the president of the United States. It's Teddy. But often Colonel, after his, his presidency, yeah, yeah, I think... You know, having earned the the military rank of colonel, I think that was that was perhaps one of the favorite ways that he liked to be referred to. Certainly after the presidency. And we, I know some get frustrated with the name Teddy, and if if time travel was ever accessible, it would be Mr. President, Colonel, never Teddy, out of respect. But with this, we say Teddy in a loving way, the way the people responded and loved him in that time period too so we want to demonstrate to folks over time here all the various ways in which we have come to also admire the life and work of theodore roosevelt so larry no small task ahead of us well that's our show for today thanks for listening you can find this podcast on our website talkaboutteddy.com where you can see show notes and transcripts links to resources, and additional TR content. And please, tell us what you think. If you've enjoyed our content, please consider subscribing and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen, and tell your friends and family about us, because it really does make a tremendous difference, and it helps others find this show. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Talk About Teddy. And until then, as our friend Colonel Roosevelt would say, Do what you can with what you have, where you are. Bullet. <laughs>